I want you to look with us in Matthew chapter 9 and beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the sick of palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemous. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had, which had given such power unto men. Father, we pray this morning in Jesus' name, Lord, that you might touch us these next few moments. God, we do not want to be a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Lord, we don't want to say anything that would draw attention to our flesh this morning. But, oh God, I pray that you'd be glorified, your son would be magnified, and that the church would be edified. I ask you, Lord, this morning to rescue the perishing. God, you know those who are in this building that are lost. And we pray the Spirit of God would put them under deep conviction, pull the scales off their eyes, and may they see themselves in need of a Savior. Lord, I pray for those of us that are saved this morning. Perhaps there are those here that are backslid. I pray, God, that they would feel the need to come back and repent and get right and renew their vows unto you. Encourage those that are discouraged and strengthen the weary this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll be pleased with our worship and we'll love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on Jesus in his hometown. Jesus in his hometown. I want you to notice the Bible says in verse number one, and he entered into his ship and passed over and came into his own city. Jesus is in his own town, his own city. This is a, a homecoming day with Jesus coming back. This is not homecoming here uh, today at our church, but everybody looks forward to homecoming, even in your own house as uh, uh, the holiday season is just around the corner. We think about Thanksgiving and Christmas. We know that it's not about celebrating the, the presents and things and all kinds of things like that, but one of the things that uh, motivates us about the season is that we get to see familiar familiar faces of loved ones and friends that often we do not get to see. And in our text this morning, I want you to notice a, a few things, but one in particular that I want to preach on. I want you to see the Savior in verse number one as the Bible talks about uh, his ship as he enters into a ship and then it mentions his sailing as he passes over and then his settlement as he comes to this hometown. Jesus has passed over uh, the sea now and he's coming to uh, his hometown town and so I see the Savior here and then there is the sick in verse number two as the Bible talks about this man that was sick his body is frail and, and the Bible talks about his bed which is very filthy that, that they brought him to, uh, the, behold they brought to him a man sick of palsy uh, lying on the bed so Jesus comes to his hometown and there is this sick man there and the Bible says that he was brought meaning that he could not get to them by 
himself. I want to tell you, when I was lost without God, there was no way I could have found God within and by myself, amen? And there's a crowd that obviously had a burden and had a belief for this man that Jesus could help him. And so he was brought, and of course, having the palsy, we know that this man was bent, his body was twisted, it was bent due to this dreadful disease that he has. And then his bed, his bed speaks of the filthiness and the vileness of every sinner that we cannot pick ourselves up out of our own filth and our own sin that just as his bed was filthy, I mean, I hate to be gross this morning, but when this man had to go to the restroom, there was no one to help him. He just had to lay there in his own filth and his own waste, and that was the bed of this man. And by the way, I would say to all of us, Isaiah said it right when he said that all of our righteousness is filthy rags. It's just as sinful. It's just as filthy as what this man is laying in. And so we see the Savior. We see the sick. But then I want you to notice, thank God, in verse number two, there's the salvation. Amen. And notice uh, this man receives uh, uh, salvation from the sickness that he has. Amen. Now when you think about this, uh, look at what this salvation involves. Uh, First of all, it involves a friend. Amen. The Bible says in verse number two that Jesus seen their faith. Amen. I want you to note this morning that the individual that took the initiative in bringing salvation to this man's doorstep was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I'm not a Calvinist. You know that. I believe in a whosoever will gospel. But I'm glad before I went looking for him. Hallelujah. I'm glad he came looking for me. Amen. It may have been a shock and it may have been a surprise a day that God knocked on my heart's door but it was no surprise to heaven friend. Heaven knew who I was. Heaven knew where I was at and heaven knew what I needed. Amen. And the same thing is true about you. I'm glad before this man knew he had a friend that looked beyond his fault and he saw his need. Hallelujah. And I see his friend. It involves a friend. It involves a faith. Notice that the Bible says, and Jesus seeing their faith. Amen. Now I know that their faith will never save anybody. Can I get an amen right there? When you think about that this morning, their faith, uh, uh, listen, the faith uh, has to be on the individual. Isn't that right? In other words, uh, your faith and my faith uh, has to be individual faith. Uh, I can't get saved off Brother Barnes' faith. Uh, I can't get saved off Brother Laddie's faith. Isn't that right? And neither can you. You can't get saved off your mama's faith or your daddy's faith. Uh, but what the Bible is saying here, uh, that it was the faith of others uh, that brought Jesus into this man's life. Amen. And what I would say to us this morning is that no man found Christ by themselves. Amen. Somebody preached to you. Somebody gave you a gospel track. Somebody prayed over your soul. Somebody invited you to the house of God. Somebody brought you into the presence of the gospel and the good news. I want to say hallelujah for their faith. Amen. Don't you thank God for people that got under a burden for you and somebody that prayed for you and somebody that preached to you and somebody took you to church, I'm telling you, I thank God for their faith, amen. 
And I see that they it involved a friend. It involved faith. Amen. And then it involved forgiveness. Notice what Jesus said. He said, son, be of good cheer. That tells me this boy must have been pretty low. Amen. But Jesus looks at him and says, I want you to be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Amen. I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm glad that my sins have been forgiven. Amen. I'm glad my sins have been put under the blood. I'm glad that my sins have been washed away. That's all sins, past, present, and future because they were all future at the cross. When Jesus looked ahead of time, he saw me a sinner, amen? And he loved me and he died for me and he loves you and he died for you. And I'm glad that salvation involves the forgiveness of sins, hallelujah. You know, sometimes we don't forgive people of their sins. I'm so glad he does. I'm gonna tell you something, God keeps a record. But every sin that you and I ever committed, whenever my friend, God's got a record of every sin I've ever committed. But can I tell you something? It is stamped on the pages of those records in the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I'm telling you, the devil likes to pull the record book out and remind us all of what we used to be, how we used to live, and what we used to do. Uh, But he doesn't like to talk about that other part. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm glad I know the judge. Uh, I'm glad I know the I'm glad I know the lawgiver. I'm glad I know the one that's paid the payment. And hallelujah, I say bless his name. Isn't it good to be free? Isn't it good to be forgiven? Isn't it good to be washed in the blood of the Lamb of God? Hallelujah. And I see here the salvation. But then notice the scribes in verse number four and verse number three. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemous. You know, we always got a religious crowd that wants to mess everything up. They think they're the spiritual thermometers of everything that goes on. That's what this crowd was. They're checking the temperature. They know who's right and who's not. Somebody say amen. I want to tell you this crowd, I see their position. They were the scribes, but I noticed their pride, as the Bible said, they said it within themselves. Now, religious people don't have the guts or the audacity of my friend to face the authority that's in front of them. That's where the scribes were. But what it was, it was what was going on the inside. Can I tell you something about pride, friend? It don't work its way from the outside in. It works its way from the inside out. Amen? You see, the the, the, the worm didn't bore its way into the apple. The worm bored its way out of that apple. Isn't that right? I want to tell you that little egg was planted in that blossom and whenever that, uh, listen, that egg was put in that blossom and that fruit began to come forth, uh, uh, the worm was inside that apple and it's bore its way out. Can I tell you what pride is? Uh, it's in the heart of every man. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. Pride uh, doesn't work its way in. Uh, uh, pride works its way out and if you and I don't stay right with God, if we don't stay humble, if we don't stay where we're supposed to be, we'll let that pride swell up and work its way out of our life, amen. And so I see their position, I see their pride, and then I see their problem. Look what they say of this man, blasphemous. You know what that means? We know that blasphemy is giving, is accrediting the work of Satan to, or the work of God to the work of Satan, isn't that right? 
That's what Jesus said, blasphemy would he is, and he said every kind of blasphemy would be forgiven except blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's taking the work of God and crediting it to the work of, of Satan. Remember what they said? They said he cast out devils uh, in the name of Beelzebub. That's what they were doing. They were blaspheming. But if you want to know what the principle of blasphemy really is, it's rejection of the Spirit of God. Amen? It's rejecting what God is doing in your midst. Amen? I want to tell you, friend, when you reject God in the gospel, there is no hope. Isn't that right? And what this crowd was doing is they had so much religious pride, uh, they weren't willing to humble themselves. Uh, I'm telling you, that's the day we're living in. Uh, there's a lot of people, they dress themselves up uh, with a lot of religious uh, accolades and titles and things like that. And the problem is uh, they will not listen and heed the Spirit of God. Amen. So there's the scribes. But here's what I want you to notice this morning. In verses four through six, there's the sermon. Jesus has a sermon for this crowd. Now, most of the time when we read this text, we focus on the sick of palsy and right, right, rightfully so. But I want you to notice in these three verses this morning, this sermon that Jesus preaches on this homecoming day in his hometown. Notice the sermon. You see, it has three simple points. I want you to notice in verse number four, the first point has to do with the attitude of the sinner and Jesus knowing their thoughts. Now, let me stop and say this. He knows our thoughts this morning. Isn't that right? We can hide our thoughts from each other. We can think something, and if we think, a lot of times our, our way about things is is that if we think it but don't do it, then we feel like, well, I haven't committed a sin. But the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, amen? I'm gonna tell you, the sin is committed long within our mind before it ever is within our body, isn't that right? Before it ever rolls off our tongue, it gets in our heart first, uh, and God deals with the heart, and Jesus knows their thoughts here, and the attitude of these sinners, Look what he said to them. Wherefore, think ye evil, where? In your heart, amen? I'm gonna tell you something. Thinking is not just a process that comes into our mind, but it is a process that gets in our heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What that means is a lot of thoughts come through our mind throughout the day. Some of those are good thoughts, amen? Some of those thoughts are based on what we see and what we hear. Some of those thoughts are subplanted in our mind, maybe by people, maybe Maybe they're planted there by, uh, listen, by, by the Holy Spirit or maybe they're planted there by the tempter, amen? What we do with those thoughts determines uh, where they go, amen? I'm telling you, if an evil thought crosses your mind and you say, dear God, help me not to think that way, get that out of my mind, get that out. You know what? You just threw that out of your mind, amen? If you plead the blood and say, Lord, I ought not to be thinking like that. God, forgive me for having that thought. You know what you're doing? You're arresting that thought uh, and you're putting it in subjection uh, to the the Holy Spirit and you're dealing with it, amen? But I tell you what, when you let that thought just sit there, when you let that thought just dwell there, when you begin to meditate upon that thought, you know what you're doing? You're, you're, what you're doing is just like taking a seed and putting it, uh, listen, in the ground and you're just pouring water to it and you're just feeding it, amen? You're nurturing that thought is what you're doing and the more you nurture that thought, guess what's gonna happen? The root uh, of that seed that was put in your mind uh, will grow down into your heart 
heart and it'll take root down in your soul. My friend, it'll not just be a thought, but it'll be who you are. It'll be what we have become. And Jesus looked at this crowd and he said, your problem is your attitude. Amen. Jesus said, I cannot help you because your attitude's not right. Oh, would to God this morning, there's a lot of people I've seen come to church and because they had their attitude wrong, they sat and stewed on something. They sat and listened on something. They let something influence their life, maybe out there in the world, maybe inside the church, but whatever it is, because of their attitude, God cannot work in their life. You know, you take an old sinner come in this morning. Now, I'm not just talking about a drunk or a prophet. I'm talking about somebody that knows they're lost. They come in this morning with a humble spirit and they know they need help from God. God can do business with that person. But the person that sits there and files their fingernails or gets on Facebook and looks on their phone while the preacher's preaching, amen, or daydreams or doodles or writes out whatever they want to do, or just sits there with a spirit of you're not gonna help me and I don't wanna hear anything you got to say. I'm here because I have to be or I need to be, but I'm soon on my way out. I wanna tell you something, friend, your problem this morning, it's not with me, it's with the Holy Ghost, amen? And you can dress it up and you can fix it up and I'm here to tell you this morning uh, the problem with this crowd uh, is everything looked right on the outside, uh, everything looked right on the outside, but there's problems, uh, uh, my friend, on the inside of their heart and in their life, amen. Talking about the attitude. I remember a saying years ago, and it was a missionary that I heard make this statement, and I never forgot. I think I was about 14 years old. And in a mission conference, he stood up, and the first thing he said, I don't remember what he preached, but the first thing he said was this. He said, attitude determines your altitude. How you think determines where you're gonna go with God. Brother, I'm telling you, you wanna know why the devil has plastered so much and uses Hollywood, why he uses the, the music industry, why he's crept that even into our churches today? Because he knows the Bible says in whom the God of this world not hath blinded the eyes but hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. I want to tell you something friend your eyes is the window to your soul but your mind my friend is the machinery that operates the thought process of what you see here and listen to. I'll tell you the devil doesn't care as much about your eyes as he does your mind this morning. Amen. I'm telling you, you can preach to a man for 30 years and he can live right and think right and do right. He needn't be saved by the grace of God. But you let sin get in his life, he'll back his thinking process up. He'll throw sound doctrine out and the people he loved, he'll despise. And the people he despised, he'll love. You know why? It's because he's my friend forfeiting a sound mind because his attitude has changed within his heart. Amen. How many times has Brother Laddie made this statement? If I would have waited till this time in life to get saved, what would my attitude toward God be? Brother, I'm telling you, the attitudes of people are changing swiftly. I spoke to a young pastor the other day. I didn't volunteer no information, but he just sat down. He said, can you tell me, can you give me any advice to help a young preacher? I said, I sure can. Go see an older preacher than me. He said, no, I'm being serious. I said, I am too. 
He said, well, I, can you help me? Can you? I said, well, I can just tell you this. You better do a lot of praying. Because it's not easier to pastor people. Now it's harder. It's not indictment on this church. It's just the truth of where we're at today. There was a time when you could preach the gospel and give an invitation and five hands would be raised and somebody would walk out and get saved. And there was a time before that when you could preach the gospel and five or 10 or 15 people would get saved and it wasn't nothing in revival for 40 people or 50 people to get saved. And I'm gonna tell you why it's harder to see people walk that aisle and get saved because their minds, friend, are so engulfed with wickedness and sin. They've seen so much monstrosities and, and demons and devils and fairy tales and, and figma of imaginations. Uh, they took reality and turned it into a fantasy to the point uh, that even grown men nowadays uh, are hooked on video games uh, and they're hooked on all kinds of of things in this world. You say, preacher, are you preaching against that? I'm telling you that kind of stuff, what it does. My friend, it desensitizes you to the reality of what's going on around us. Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Amen. There comes a time in every one of our life when it's time to grow up, put our big boy britches on and be a man, be a lady. Don't put britches on, but put a dress on. Amen. But I'm telling you, grow up in this life. I'm just saying, friend, because we're living in a demonic generation. The attitude of sinners. Secondly, the second point of Jesus' sermon not only deals with the attitude of sinners, but notice in verse number five, it deals with the ability of the Savior. He asked them a question. In verse five, look what he said. For whether is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and walk. Now, I'm gonna tell you what Jesus is doing in this text. He's backing this religious crowd in a corner. He's putting them in a corner where they have got to make a decision. Well, you tell me what's easier. Is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven or to say rise up and walk? Don't think for one moment this crowd didn't know what he could do. They had done seen the miracles. They knew he was the Messiah. He had done miracles that only Messiah could do. Those messianic miracles, they didn't want to answer this question. Well, what do you want me to do? You want me to forgive his sins? You want me to take it a step further? You want me to get, do something in his life that everybody can see? You see, one miracle took place on the inside. The other miracle took place on the outside. And Jesus said, what you, what you tell me what's easier. I'll do whichever one you want. Uh, but see, what Jesus was doing was putting their feet to the fire and asking them, do you believe I am who I say I am? Do you believe I can do what the Bible says I can do? I'm telling you, he wanted them to admit who he was. Uh, He's bringing every man to that decision in life. My friend, in order to admit who Christ is, you got to admit who you are, amen? If you admit that he's the Savior, he's the Son of God, he's the one that can save from sins, you got to admit you're a sinner, that you cannot save yourself. And Jesus is putting them in that situation. I would ask you this morning, this question, do not do you believe if Jesus is the Savior, but do you believe he's your Savior? Do you believe he can save you from your sins. Do you believe he can deliver you this morning? For that is the question, amen. What can he do for you this morning? I remember that old song Miss Nana y'all used to sing. What can he do? And I love that old song. Amen. What can he do? I'm going to tell you there's not a thing that Jesus cannot do this morning. Brother, whether it be the healing of sins in the soul or whether it be the healing of the body or whatever the need is this morning, we didn't get dressed up and come to church and look at each other and go through some kind of religious, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, 
form of a service. Uh, I'm telling you, you didn't get no beads when you came in this morning. Uh, uh, listen, you didn't get no pamphlets to go pass out this morning and try to work your way. I'm telling you, we serve a risen Savior. We got a book that's alive uh, and the Holy Spirit of God is real this morning. Uh, I'm glad I got good news for every sinner here this morning. If you'll come by way of the cross uh, and the shed blood of Calvary and repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Savior, you can be born again this morning. He can help you. The ability of the Savior, the attitude of the sinner. And then the last point of this message has to do with the assurance of salvation. Look what he said. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. Jesus said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do since you won't answer me. He said, I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to heal this little boy so that you'll know. I am who I say I am. I am who they said I was. I want to tell you something. What happened to this crowd was this. Don't miss this. They had a word and they had a witness that Jesus is the Son of God. They heard the preaching of the Savior. They could look and witness what he had done in this boy's life. And both of these were a testimony that they were without excuse. Can I tell you this morning, if you're lost, you've heard a word not my word, but the word of God. Amen. You've heard the word. And my friend, if you'll look around and see a lot of people, we're not what we used to be. Thank God we're not what we used to be. You say, well, I never drank or smoked or chewed or run with those who do. No, but you're as filthy and vile and dirty and rotten. You come out of the same pit, took the same grace. Uh, you had to be washed in the same blood. It doesn't matter, my friend. Uh, if you're a wretched sinner or a religious sinner, you're still a sinner. And I'm telling you, I'm glad his hand reached further down than I could ever reach up. Uh, this was a pretty bad crowd in this text. Uh, and they were lily white in their own eyes, uh, but they were filthy in the eyes of God. Uh, and he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you. I'll give you a word, uh, and then I'll give you a witness. Uh, you can look at this old boy. If I've got the power to touch him, I got and to heal him, I got the power to forgive him and save him. Amen. I'm telling you, I can look around. I can see a brother Jack, a brother Barnes. I can see a brother Daniel, a brother Laddie. All of this is evidence this morning that what God did for them, he can still do for you. Amen. God is still in the soul saving business. Amen. He'll save you this morning. What more assurance do you need? He'll save you this morning. I got to thinking about this morning. God gave me this message this morning and I got to thinking about my mind started going down through the, down, down the aisle of people we've seen get saved. People we've seen God change their life. I'm telling you people that when you looked at them, I'm talking about some of them lived wretched lives and some of them been here all the time but when they got saved, oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. And I'm here to tell you, you, if you're lost, you're miserable this morning. It doesn't matter. Listen, you may be sitting here this morning and say, well, preacher, I'm a member of this church. That doesn't mean anything on heaven's roll this morning. Being a good person, being a good member is not gonna get you into heaven, friend. You'll die without God. I'd rather go to hell if I was gonna go to hell. I'd rather go to hell from the deep, dark jungles of Africa as to go to hell sitting in a good fundamental church hearing the gospel preached Sunday in and Sunday out. I'll tell you, you don't have to go to hell and nobody wants you to go to hell. Jesus don't want you to go to hell. This church don't want you to go to hell. Friend, you ought to come by way of the cross and get saved this morning. Hallelujah. What a surprise in verse seven and eight. 
And notice the man, and I see here uh, this miracle as the Bible said he arose and departed to his house. The multitude, they saw it, and they marveled, and they manifested by glorifying God. Uh, and I see here the message is that he had given such power unto men. What a surprise when this boy stood up. You know what's amazing? I don't care how many miracles you see. Every time you see one, it surprises you. Is that right? I'm telling you, if some sinner gets saved, I'm telling you, this young man got saved here the other Sunday. Wasn't that a surprise? I like the way he raises his hand. I watched him here on Wednesday night, and the choir was a singing, and he went like that. Got a little pause in there when he does. I said, Praise God, I'm going to start doing that. I'm just kidding. You know? But he got that little hand to going. I thought only the Holy Ghost could tell him that. Stand here every Sunday and see people raise their hand and pay no attention to it, but then get saved, and all of a sudden, he wants to do that. Amen. Wouldn't hurt some of y'all to do that. Amen. Might exercise a little bit. I'm telling you, uh, uh, but you know what? That's a miracle, isn't it, in just a young boy's life. But then you know what? A 35-year-old man could walk down the aisle today and get born again, or a 55-year-old lady could get saved, uh, or listen, uh, an 80-something-year-old man can get saved. It doesn't matter how many people we see get saved. Uh, isn't it a surprising surprise uh, every time somebody steps out of that aisle uh, and comes to Calvary and gets born in the family of God? Uh, I'm here to tell you, friend, uh, it may shock me and it may shock you but heaven saw it coming amen I want to say hallelujah bless his name I want to say glory to God for old time holy ghost heaven sent heartfelt salvation it'll still get the job done I'm glad one day a long time ago I got in the big family of God I got saved got born again by the grace of God hallelujah Woo! I'm telling you, son, uh, listen, they learned the Bible books and the Bible story and they learned John 3.16 in Sunday school and they were dead to it but one day it came alive to them. Amen. And what they had memorized and was in their mind. Thank God for the day it got down in their heart. I want to say hallelujah. I'm praying for every child to be saved in this building. Aren't you? I'm praying for every tear to become a weep. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be something if God saved some folks this morning and the message the message this morning don't miss it is that he gives power unto me and that's the last phrase in that text I'm going to tell you how the Holy Spirit works I've watched this and many of you have too you take an old fashioned church no matter who it is or where it's at God will bring people in under the sound of the gospel. He'll give them an opportunity to hear it. Maybe you grew up in this church. You better really hear what I'm about to tell you. He'll let you grow up here and hear it. But God is a gentleman this morning. He's not going to storm the door of your heart and arrest your soul. He don't work that way. He's not taking you against your own will. Everyone in this building this morning can choose for themselves and by themselves. If you want to get right with God, get saved. Or if you're saved but you're not right with God and you want to get right, you can. But if you say, well, I'm not coming to that altar this morning. Friend, you're hurting nobody but yourself. 
And the danger is one day you will come calling. But you may be one day too late. Let me give you this illustration and I'm through. I've held the hand of both saved and sinners, saints and sinners. Held the hand of sinners while they lay on their deathbed and moan and weep and even cry for the, because of the fire. Wept tears with the family members and knew they went to hell. That's evident. And I've held the hand of people that were saved. I could name you some people that sat in this church. I could name you the name of a man that I held his hand one night and we cried together. He said, I'm going to a premature grave, ain't I, preacher? I didn't say anything to him. I knew it, he knew it, but I didn't want to say that to him. He said, it's true. I'm dying early. And then he said this. I wished I would have listened. All them Sundays, I just sat there. God spoke to me and I just sat there. All I could do was cry with him. He got right with God and he went home. He's in heaven right now. I'm telling you and that's only one friend. You spurn the Holy Ghost, you're on thin ice, friend. You don't have to like me. But if you're right with God, and you, like, you don't have to like this church. Had a lady say one time, she said, you think this is the only place you can be right with God? I said, for you, yes. It's absolutely right. Because God done one miracle for her after another. I said, you leave here, you're in big trouble. You know what? She left here, she's in big trouble tonight. Home blew all to pieces. Divorced, husband in prison, daughter turned out to be a sodomite. I'm not talking about somebody coming here for a week or two. I'm going to tell you, I don't know anything. But I do try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I fail God, but I tell you this morning when I was praying, God told me two things. One of them I told in this service this morning. He spoke to me so clearly. It's amazing how you can study all week and get a sermon together and then sometimes the Holy Ghost will say, no, no, that's good. You're going to use that later. But listen, here you go. Write this down. Go preach that this morning. I'm going to tell you, that ain't an accident, friend. I believe all my heart right now, God's walking up and down the aisles of this church and he's dealing with people. What are you going to do about it this morning? What are you gonna do about it? You're gonna get right with God? You're gonna get saved? Or are you gonna walk out them doors? So, preacher, I wish you'd quit. I'm gonna tell you something. Hell is a place where you never have to worry about a preacher preaching too long again. Hell is a place where you never have to worry about another verse of invitation. Nobody will knock on your heart or knock on your door. Nobody will give you a track in hell. You don't got to worry about no church members or church steeples. If that's what you want, friend, you walk away from God, one day God's going to give every sinner what they desire, a place where there is no God. What about that? 
I want to tell you, if you're away from God, don't you let pride keep you in that seat. Don't you try, don't you sit there this morning and say, well, I'll just hold out. It'll cost you as we stand this morning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I don't know anybody's heart. Lord, I don't know anybody's life. I don't know what's going on in people's souls this morning. I don't know where they stand with you. I don't know their thoughts. But just like you knew this crowd, everything that was going through their minds, you know what's going through people's minds right now. Spirit of the living God, I pray you'd thunder in their soul this morning with conviction. Oh God, get a hold of their hearts. Oh God, please. Do what we cannot do, I ask you this morning in Jesus' name while we sing. You better come if God speaks to Why will you linger wandering from You're lingering toward the bowels of hell. God, hear you not the invitation. Oh, prepare, prepare to meet While we're singing God. church, come on, come on. Careless soul, oh, heed the warning. It's a warning this morning. For your life will soon be gone. Oh, how sad. Oh, how sad. Come on, come on back, To slide. face the judgment. Unprepared right. to meet right. thy God. Amen, Brother Lane. Come and pray. Why so thoughtless are you standing yes. while the fleeting right. years go by? Where are you going to go when you and die? Your life is Heaven or hell this folly. Come oh, on back, Slot. How long are you going to grip that pew and wait it out? You're drifting. You're near the edge. You better heed this warning this morning. For your life will soon be gone. Oh, how sad. Oh, how sad to face the judgment. What's it going to take? Unprepared. What's it going to take this morning? Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I wonder if there's somebody here to say, Preacher. If I died right now, I wouldn't go to heaven. Don't, don't embarrass me, but I just want to lift my hand and ask you to pray for me. I don't want to go to hell. I want to ask you to pray for me. Would you lift your hand? Do you care enough for your own soul to lift your hand and say, pray for me? Would you slip it up and let me pray for you? I see that hand. I wouldn't go to hell for nothing or nobody this morning. How about it, friend? If you know you're lost, why don't you admit it before God this morning? Pray for me. Pray for me, preacher. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell this morning. Is there another? Is there another? I wonder if there's another this morning. You'd slip your hand up. I see that hand. Is there another? Is there another this morning? I'm telling you, listen, if you want to be saved, you're going to have to come. I'm talking about coming down that aisle, popping your chewing gum and smiling and it being a joke, friend. I'm talking about you need to get serious with God. And if you're serious about your soul and you're serious about your sin and you know Jesus died for you and you don't want to go to hell, all you got to do is take one step toward him and he'll save your soul this morning if you're serious about it.